Heavenly Father, we praise you. You are the Holy One. And as we, we just sung some of those questions, who else? Uh, we know, God, that there is no one who compares to you. Help us to see that again as we see these wonderful stories about Jesus. Would you please transform our hearts as we submit to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're doing a sermon series here where we're walking through Matthew chapters 8 through 9. There's lots and lots of miracles in those two chapters, and it was creating a public stir. Near the end of our passage today, we see the crowd saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Now let's stop and think about that saying there. Nothing like this has ever been seen. We human beings are kind of in awe of the things that we have never seen before. Uh, I'm a baseball fan, and one illustration of this, it's a little hard for me to say it, but uh, I'm not a Cleveland Indians fan, but uh, they had recently a 22-game winning streak. It is the longest winning streak that any of us, including Garland, has ever been alive to witness. Um, Now, the Cleveland Indians by this time had already distanced themselves enough from the Twins that I knew the Twins weren't going to catch them. So I actually found myself tuning in to some Cleveland Indians games and cheering for them. We've never seen this before, and I wanted them to keep their streak going. And I know I wasn't the only one. Now, um, I, I like to think that maybe the tables are going to get turned later on, and if the Twins knock the Indians out, that Josh is going to cheer for the Twins this year. So we'll, we'll see if that happens. But, uh, or if we're talking about things that have never been seen before, imagine how much of a stir it would be, would be created in Minnesota if the Vikings won the Super Bowl this year. You see, yeah. <laughs> see, we humans are intrigued by stuff that we've never seen before. Now, that was very much the case some 2,000 years ago as Jesus walked around doing a bunch of miracles. People saw what he had done. They saw his power, his undeniable power, and they had to figure out, what do we do with Jesus? And and that's kind of what I want us to do as we look through these passages here. I want us to consider, what do we do with Jesus? So our passage today is Matthew 9, 27 through 34. It's two stories, two short stories of more healings that Jesus did. So let me read, starting in Matthew 9, 27. As Jesus went went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, "'Have mercy on us, son of David!' When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Now, in this sermon series, I've been using a a three-point outline for several of my sermons, and we're going to do it again today. And the reason I'm doing this is not because I think you're slow. That's not it at all. It's not because I've... Uh, forgotten how to craft a sermon, or maybe, maybe that's what it is. We'll, we'll leave judgment for that. The reason I'm doing it is because these points bear repeating. So we're again today going to look at the compassion of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, and our response of following Jesus. So let's start with number one, compassion. In both of these stories, 
we see the compassion of Jesus. And isn't it interesting that we see it right away? And that's the way it's been all throughout Matthew 8 through 9. We never see Jesus saying, well, should I be kind or not? We see Jesus helping out right away. That's who he is. And perhaps these two blind men of verse 27 had heard about Jesus and his compassion for others, and they wanted in on it. So they called out to Jesus to have mercy on him. Because let's, let's try to put ourselves in the shoes of these blind men. Even today, think about all the technology we have, but even today, being blind has a lot of obstacles that come along with it. Uh, there, there are things that are just hard to overcome as a blind person. Have you ever played the game, Would You Rather? You know, Would you rather be blind or eat a meal at Taco Bell? For some of you, that might be a tough choice. Uh, for me, that's not a tough choice. But, um, there are a lot of things that I would rather do before I would lose my sight. Because again, you think about all that you would miss out on in this world if you lost your sight. And you think about how your life would be in many ways dependent on others as a blind person. And then you just multiply that by a, a, a few factors when you think about that 2,000 years ago. So these, these blind men, they, they had a difficult life. They heard that Jesus had done some powerful things, so they cried out to him to do similar things for them. But isn't it interesting what they cried out? They, they called Jesus the son of David there. We just had an adult Sunday school class where we looked at a prophecy that God would send a son of David to reign forever on his throne. So these blind men had put the pieces together. And I, I find it interesting that even before they received their sight, they were able to see Jesus as the son of David. And, and really, anyone who was waiting for God to fulfill his promises should have been able to see what these blind men saw, that, that Jesus was the promised son of David, the one who was coming. And if we were to think about some of the other promises that we see in the Old Testament, we would see several times in there that one of the promises was that there would be recovery of sight for the blind. Phil read one of them. For, was it Psalm 146? There are three specific ones in the book of Isaiah as it talks about the work of the Messiah who was to come. But it's interesting. Nowhere ever in, in the history, not in the Bible, and not that I know of anywhere else, had we ever heard up until this point of a blind person receiving their sight. So again, these, these blind people were putting two and two together. They were hearing about the powerful things that Jesus had taught, that Jesus had done. They knew that he was the son of David, and they knew. And maybe, maybe those verses stood out to them more than to anybody else, those verses about recovery of sight for the blind. But they had, they had the faith to go to Jesus and ask for him to help. And guess what? Jesus had compassion. That's what we see over and over and over again in Matthew 8 through 9, is that Jesus was willing to help. We also see the compassion of Jesus in verse 32 as we see this demon-possessed mute man that was brought. Uh, now that word for could not talk, it can either mean mute or deaf, or it can mean both. Those, those ailments often go together. Although we do see later on that this man was able to speak afterwards, so it, it looks like at least he was mute um, and I kind of find it interesting that by this time in the gospel, Matthew didn't even feel the need to tell us how Jesus healed. It's like it's becoming so commonplace for Matthew that he just goes on to say in verse 33, when the demon was driven out, like, of course, Jesus would drive out a demon. That's what he does. So again, two stories today where we see the compassion of Jesus to help people in need. And throughout this sermon series, I've been asking you a question. I want to ask it again because I do think it's a question that, that many of us, myself included, can struggle with. 
So the question that I want us to think about as we think about the compassion of Jesus, it's this. Are you a compassionate person? Our Lord and Savior showed compassion a bunch of times. We are people who say that we follow him and are trusting God to make us more like him. So the question then we have to ask is, do you show the compassion of Jesus to other people? Think about your last week or your last month. Have you had opportunities to show compassion? Have you taken those opportunities? Will you take the opportunities that will come your way this week to show compassion? Because if we claim to follow Jesus, we should have compassion like he does. Let's move on to our second point, authority. The theologian Grant Osborne calls the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ the primary motif, that is the primary theme of Matthew 8 through 9. And if we were to count up the stories, even if you don't count the many of chapter 8, verse 16, who are healed, we could still count 10 other individual stories of how Jesus showed his authority by doing things like driving out demons, or healing the sick, or calming a storm, or even raising the dead. You see, Jesus was not someone who just had powerful teaching, although he did have that. Remember, I I like to look back at this in in Matthew 7. So the the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And at the end of it, let me read what it says. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. It kind of makes me wonder what their teachers of the law were teaching, but Jesus stood in contrast to them as someone who had authority. It was seen just in his teaching. But then as we move from there, we get two chapters full of miracles, so we see that it isn't just the words of Jesus that has power, as if he were just some great orator. No, he is also a powerful miracle worker and healer, as shown by many, many miracles. And as we move to our passage today, the authority of Jesus is once again on center stage. In verse 28, it says, When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? It's a question about his ability or his authority. And this is a crucial question for us. Do do we believe that Jesus is able to do what he says he can do? In fact, I would say that this question is probably more important than we think. Let's think of it this way. To be a Christian is, among other, other things, to believe that God is sovereignly in control of everything, that God loves us, that he has good plans for us, and that the best life for us is the one in which we walk by faith into whatever he has for us. We trust that he's got us covered. In all that we do, we should be people who say, God, I can do this because you're with me. The I can do all things through him who strengthens me is really, as Josh reminded us in an evening service recently, it's not that we can do whatever we want to do, it's that God can strengthen us to do whatever he leads us into. We trust in his ability and his authority. But don't overlook the believe part of that, the trust part of that. We're to put our feet where our faith is and to go as God leads us. And Abraham is the great example of that in the Old Testament. God said to him, go And then God promised him a bunch of blessings that he would give to him if he would go. And what did Abraham do? Abraham went. God said, go. Abraham went. That's the story of faith in the Bible. That's the picture of faith that we see many times. Uh, the, The New Testament looks back to that kind of faith. So do we believe that Jesus is able to do what he says he can? We're going to get back to that question in a little bit. But for now, let's get back to our third point which is following Jesus 
by faith. Jesus just dropped this bombshell of a question on these two men. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And look at their response right away. I love it. Yes, Lord, they replied. No hesitation on their part. Just a declaration of trust in the Lord. Now, by this time in Matthew 8 through 9, there should be no question of Jesus' willingness to heal or his ability to heal. For these blind men, they simply needed to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at the immediate response from Jesus in verse 29. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. According to your faith. That's been a common theme in Matthew 8 through 9. Three other times we saw a similar idea. We saw it in 8.13 where the, the centurion's servant was healed as he believed it would. We saw it in 9.2 as the paralytic was healed because of the faith of the friends who brought him. And then we saw it also in 9.22, the healing of the bleeding woman who trusted, trusted that Jesus could do it. So there's a connection between faith and healing. You see, for these people, their faith put them in a position to receive a blessing from God. Now, let's not put the cart before the horse, though. I think it would be wrong to say that their faith is what caused the healing, because the cause of the healing is no doubt in the power of God. So, so we can't get this confused as if to say the power in healing comes from our faith. But let me repeat what I just said a, a moment ago. Their faith put them in a position to receive blessings from God. So again, there's this powerful connection between the authority that God has and our faith to be able to receive good gifts from Him. And when we live according to God's truth, we can see His power at work in our lives. It's not a question of whether God is willing or able to be good to us. It's a question of whether we'll see things from His perspective and trust that He has good things for us, because that's who God is. He is the God who works all things together for the good of those who believe Him. That's Romans 8. So again, it's not about the power within us on our own. It's about the authority of God to be able to do this, and it's about our faith in participating in what God wants to do in us. So we should be like the blind men who had the faith to say, yes, Lord, to Jesus. So let's get back to a question I started to ask earlier. Do you believe that Jesus is able? And I want to leave that a little bit open-ended for now because I want us to consider that question in every area of our lives. Do we believe that Jesus is able? Jesus is who he is. That's not going to change. I think of the head coach who is, they are who they thought we, they were. We, we know who Jesus is. The question is, are we going to have the faith to trust him to do his powerful work in our lives, to do his compassionate work in our lives? So let's consider this question in regard to the difficult times in our lives. The, the people in this story had difficult times. The blind men, again, it was a great difficulty. The demon-possessed mute man, boy, hard to even imagine what, how difficult that would be. But for them, the answer was to go to Jesus and trust in his compassion and authority. But I want to turn the tables now, and I want us to look at our own hearts. So the question I want to ask now is, what do you do in difficult times? What do you do in difficult times? And I want to look at three responses. Three, um, there's not only three responses. I, I've been thinking of some, of some others the last uh, several hours. But um, I want to look at three main responses. Two of them are bad responses, and one of them is the correct response. So what do you do in difficult times? The first wrong response 
is worry. Were, were any of you worried I was going to say that? Um, we can easily be tempted to worry when things don't go our way. But what is worry? Um, I have some insight into worry because I've seen you all, no, because I've seen me do it. Uh, so when I, when I say this, I want you to know that I'm speaking from my own personal experience, but maybe some of you can relate. I, I think worry points to a lack of faith in us. I think worry points to this idea that, that we had our own hopes and plans of how things would go. And then for some reason, when, when God in his sovereign wisdom doesn't allow things to go that way, we can easily get upset or overly concerned about it. And you know what's missing in that? What's missing is that trust that God is good and he's in control. And again, I've been there. In fact, um, there was a time this week where I, I, I went to bed and as, as my head hit the pillow, I just started to think of like three or four things that were going on in life and I felt that worry starting to creep in. Now, I'm, I'm happy to admit that I, I noticed at that time. I don't always notice it. Believe me, I don't always notice it until much later into it. But that night, I noticed what was going on in my heart, that I, I started to think about all these things that weren't maybe going the way that I wanted them to go. So I got up out of bed, and I just walked around a little bit, and I, I brought each one of those situations before the Lord. And I, I just wanted to tell God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of this. So how do you do when things don't go the way that you want them to go in life? Is there anything right now that you're worrying about? Just take it to God and trust that He is in control. Tell Him you're glad that He's in control and that you will submit. So don't worry. Pray instead. Um, I remember reading Philippians 4 and uh, that's what stuck out to me. Don't worry. Pray instead. Do you believe that God is able to handle this? The second wrong response that we could give in difficult times would be choosing our own way. Sometimes when things don't go our way, we can just get right into planning mode. I can figure this out, we say. I just read a story like that in my devotionals this week. It's from the book of Joshua, where uh, a situation was brought before Joshua and the Israelites, and they had to make a decision. So they conferred together, and they made a quick decision. It looked like a good one, but they were rebuked in there because it says they did not inquire of the Lord. And their decision was the wrong decision. How often do we go through life just trying to figure things out on our own? And we have to be really careful with this one because we could do this all the time. You know, I, I could say, I'm 40 years old. I've been around the block a few times. I know how to tie my own shoes. Uh, I, I, can, I can handle what comes my way. But again, let's be really careful here. When difficult times come, we can easily get into this pattern of thinking that we can take care of it ourselves when really what we should be doing is getting on our knees before the Lord and saying, God, I need your help in this. God, what do you want me to do as I go through this? Let's not trust in our own ability. Let's trust in God. And that leads right into the proper response, the right response, which is faith. When difficult times come, Let's go right to Jesus. And the blind men are a great example for us here. They came right to Jesus and called out to him for his help. When we see that things aren't going right in our life, or when you sit, sense yourself starting to worry, or when you notice that you've made your plans and you haven't included God, wh whatever it is, just stop in your tracks and go right to God. 
Just take it to God. Let's trust that he can bring about what is good in his eyes. And if we know that something is good in his eyes, that should lead to peace for us. But this can be a little bit tricky because I've mentioned this before. In, in Matthew 8 through 9, we see story after story of immediate healing. And when we read those stories, we might look at our life and say, how come I'm not getting my immediate healing like that? And one of the quick answers might be is because God was doing something unique here. He was showing his son to be the one who had authority so that we don't live in this time on earth uh, like, like these people did. So it could just very well be that God was doing something different. But it could also be for us that God may want you to endure in the midst of a difficult season in life because he knows that that will be the best environment for your faith to grow. And if that's the response we get from God, what should we do? We should trust him all the more. Even if we don't get the healing that we want or if what we're praying for doesn't come exactly the way that we want it to, we should keep going to God, trusting that he is working for our good. It's always best when we respond that way to God. But that leads me to one more thing I want to point out about our passage today. There's a contrast in here of faith versus lack of faith. The blind men are an example of faith, although not perfectly, and I do want to mention the, the one shortcoming there. And, and I don't mention this to be hard on them, um, and when I say that they're a good example of faith, really, they're humans like we are, so they're like us, and that sometimes they're a good example and maybe sometimes not. Uh, the, the bad example from them would be in verse 30 when Jesus said, see that no one knows about this, and then in the next verse they went out and spread the news about it. Some theologians give them a pass as if to say, well, how could they stop from telling about this wonderful thing that Jesus had done. Well, they disobeyed Jesus, and that's never a good thing to do. So, although I do find it interesting that the first thing that Jesus said to them, after, they had, uh, after he said, according to your faith will be done to you, he said, see, that no one knows. It's just kind of ironic to say that to someone who had just been blind. Um, but anyways, let's get back to their, their good example of faith. The good example of faith was that they called out to Jesus which one of my favorite things from the book of Psalms is the repeated pattern of crying out to Jesus. We can do that. God loves to help us. And then when the, the question came back to them of do you believe, their response was simply, yes, Lord. Let's be people who say yes to the Lord. So they're the good example of faith. The bad example of faith then comes from the Pharisees in verse 34. The Pharisees said there, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Now, in some ways, this is both sad and funny to me. It's sad because they reject Jesus, but it's funny because look at what they admit in the midst of this. They admit that Jesus had power. You see, there were no agnostics or atheists in Matthew 8 through 9. There was nobody who could have seen the ten miracles that Jesus did and said, oh, nothing there, nothing to see there. So everyone knew that there was this amazing power going on, but unfortunately, the Pharisees' hearts were so hardened that they attributed that power to Satan and not to God. And again, it's sad because they had a front row seat to what God was doing, but they rejected Jesus. So there's the contrast, saying yes, Lord, on the one hand, or rejecting Jesus on the other hand. And that, I mean, that's a simple fast forward to the cross right there. You see, there were some people who so vehemently opposed Jesus that they wanted him put to death. 
And it's interesting to think that for us, we have a similar choice to make. Either we put ourselves in with the people who, who think that Jesus deserved to die, or we recognize that we were the ones who deserved to die. And that Jesus, in his mercy, went there for us. It reminds me of John 3.36. It says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. We've all sinned. Every one of us had earned a penalty that was far worse than just being blind. We had earned the penalty of spiritual and eternal separation from God. But Jesus took our sin penalty upon himself and defeated the power of sin and death and the devil. And he proved it by rising again from the dead and showing himself to many people. So the question remains for us, will we follow or will we reject Jesus? There's only two paths. There's not this other path where we say that Jesus was a good teacher and we can learn things from him. That's what the world wants us to think. The world wants us to put him on par with with Gandhi or with other religious leaders and and just say that, that Jesus had some good stuff for us to consider. But that's not the entire story. The entire story is that we either should be fully with him or, and don't do this one, or reject him. There are only two paths in life. And one of the reasons that I chose to do this sermon series on Matthew 8-9 through is because it highlights this idea of how we are to follow Jesus. We've seen how compassionate he is. We've seen the tremendous authority that he has. Will we follow? For those of us who follow him, we will see God do amazing things in our hearts, in our lives. It may not always be what we would expect, but it will always come with the goodness of God. It doesn't mean that we get whatever we want, but it does mean that God will strengthen us to face whatever he allows to come our way. Or let's say it this way. It doesn't mean that we can get whatever we want, but it does mean we can believe that God can do whatever he wants to do in us. And isn't that better? If you had a choice right now, pick the life, the life that you can get on your own or the life that God can empower you to live, which one is better? Let's follow Jesus. Let's trust that he will do his powerful, powerful work in us as we trust in him. So that means that we're not the name it and claim it people. You know those people who say, I want this, I want that, so okay, God, I'm going to pray, and since there's some verses in the Bible that we could take out of context and say, you're going to give me whatever I want, then we can pray like that and we can get those things, except it doesn't work that way. That's not who we are. No, we are the people who do the hard work of, of seeking God, of studying the Bible to figure out what his will is for us. And when we have heard from the Holy Spirit what he wants for us, then we go to God confidently in prayer and say, God, give me what you say you'll give me. And we trust that that's going to be the best life for us. So on that note, I want to just do a, a real quick walkthrough of what, what that looks like. So the idea is here, we want to learn from God what his will is for us so that we can confidently go in faith and and follow him and ask him to give us those good things. One of the best places to go in that, I think, is Galatians 5. It's the passage where where the, the fruit of the Spirit is listed out. There's nine of them. I'll put it up here for you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We can be assured that it is the will of God to give us those things as we 
follow the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. That's what the, the context of Galatians 5 is. So as we are walking with God, trusting Him to do His powerful work in us, we can look at things like love and joy and peace and say, God, would you please produce those in me? Because again, thinking about the Matthew 8-9 through 9 sermon series, the power in this life of following Jesus isn't just in us imitating Jesus, although I think we should. I, I think imitating Jesus is a good thing, but it's not like we just try our hardest to, to look like him. We're, we're not impersonators here. It's way more powerful than that. It's as we follow Jesus by faith, we can trust that God himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will change our hearts and make us more like Jesus. So Jesus was filled with love and joy and peace, so we can trust that God will fill us with those things as we follow him. But again, it takes work on our part to to learn the will of God. It takes submission on our part to come before God and say, God, my life, I want it to be whatever you want it to be. Whatever comes my way, God, I'm going to trust that you're with me in it, and I'm going to look for your goodness in it, and I'm going to trust that you'll change my heart in the midst of it. So where are you at with all of this? Maybe some of you are sitting here thinking like me. I, I've got these thoughts going on in my heart of, wow, I'm, I'm not living up to that. That's okay. Let's go to God with that. If there's anything that God has impressed on your heart today where you're either worrying or choosing your own path, or complaining, or arguing, or sulking. If there's anything like that going on in your heart right now, just take it to God. And we can be like the blind men who say, have mercy on on me, son of David. And guess what? Jesus responds with compassion. And guess what? Jesus is fully able to help us. So again, the only question is, will we follow by faith? Will we follow him? Will we recognize him as the Lord of every part of our lives? So I just want you to to talk to God about this stuff. Right now in your heart, as, as you go on from here this day, as you think about your week coming up, as you think about things that maybe aren't going the way that you want them to, I just want you to remember that Jesus is the Lord And he is meant to be the Lord of every part of your life, and we are meant to follow by faith, trusting that God will work powerfully in us to change us, to make us more like Jesus as we follow him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, the compassionate one, the one with complete authority from you. God, I pray that we would be people who respond by faith in whatever we go through. And God, we just lift up those difficult times in our lives. We praise you that you are good and that you'll strengthen us for them. And we just also recognize that we have not always responded perfectly in the midst of them. So God, would you please change us? Help us to repent of anything we need to repent of. Strengthen our hearts. Equip us with everything that will be good for doing your will. And God, we thank you that you do work powerfully in us. Even if it's not the way that we always expect, even if we don't get the answers to prayer that we might wish we would get, we thank you that you love us and have good plans for us. Help us to keep trusting in you, to continue following Jesus by faith in all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.